All right, away we go. It's two guys in two cities on the three guys in three cities podcast. Uh, Andy is a, a quick scratch tonight. Uh, he's got some things going on, so uh, he will not be with us on the uh, podcast. But uh, there's Josh Flagner in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm Alan Fee in the Great Pacific Northwest in the hometown of Bellingham, Washington. And uh, again, no representation from the uh, great state of Michigan as uh, Andy's tending to uh, family stuff. And uh, we wish him all the best uh, and his family. Josh, how are you, my friend? Great, man. This is two shows in a row. Or not in a row, but two shows since we kind of re-upped here that Andy has completely and absolutely ditched us. I'm a little disappointed. You know, but at the end of the day, though, and again, I'd like to fire a cheap shot at the guy, but uh, we are pretty ditchable. Uh, we have some ditchability. You <laughs> Speak know what for I'm yourself, saying? buddy. Well, I'm just saying, I, I know that I've been taking a bit of a, a beatdown on this uh, podcast. Everyone's like, so are, are the dry runs over yet? Uh, are you guys... Are, are you guys going to be doing the actual podcast now? I'm like, no, that that has been the actual podcast. So yeah, uh, oops. I tell yeah. you what, though, who who was your uh, who was our second listener? The guy that you got some feedback from? Uh, well, we, we get a lot of feedback. We just don't report a lot of it because it's not necessarily. Uh, even though it's a podcast, uh, I, I'm not sure we want to <laughs> share all that. But uh, we we have uh, listener Ray, of course. Uh, we have uh, listener Wayne. Uh, listener Gary sometimes checks in. Uh, listener Woody is uh, in and out of this. Uh, you know, obviously he's a dear friend of the show. I mean, they're all dear friends of the show, but uh, we, we we got a bunch of randos also that uh, listen to the podcast. And, and and frankly, I've reached the point where maybe we should just not know. Uh, maybe, maybe that's just the better better angle to take with this. And just not I, know who's out I, there. I do like knowing, though. I got to tell you, I. The feedback that I got, though, that you gave us about the dry runs and some of the content that we were doing, yeah. that really, I sent a text over the last couple of weeks, like over that break, and I was like, that that really kind of weighed me down. I think that we need to do a little bit more. So I got, um, I got one of those, you know, those fancy prize wheels, like yeah. those. So what I did was tape a bunch of different topics to the prize wheel and it's it's right off it's right off screen you're not going to be able to see it but i taped a bunch of different topics to the prize wheel and i figured that i would spin it uh and then i and then i can i can tell you what we're going to talk about or if you want i can have one installed in your studio and you can spin it and then you can tell us what we're talking about no, I, I think that uh, you're more uh, technologically inclined to make this happen. Yeah, and, and just going back, if I can, just for a minute, uh, I think one of the problems we have on this podcast is the definition of the word content. Some say <laughs> it, it might uh, might be some interesting, uh, interesting topics, perhaps, that we would banter about. Uh, I think we've we've brought it down to the lowest level of content is whatever keeps the VU meter moving uh, and, and, and it creates sound. If it creates sound, it's content. And I think we need to raise the bar just a little bit on that. You know, I think you're probably right. I really do think you're right. So here's what I did. Let me, uh, let me go ahead and spin that wheel then. Are you ready for our uh, first? What should we call it? Uh, the Wheel of Topics. The Wheel of Topics. You know what? Sure. I bet you no other podcast has done that. So let me go ahead. Uh, and... I'm sure they never have. Ah. Oh, boy. 
boy. It's a big wheel. Oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, all right. So it was... <laughs> you, know, you know what? This is... It, 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 it really worked out because that last click, it mm-hmm. was going to be something that I really wanted the three of us to be here together to talk about. But since Andy's not here, that last click, it was thankfully, it popped us over to a sports topic. Oh, now, there you go. Last week or the week before, I, I can't really remember. Um, I'm not great at dates, which is not great for, you know, sort of producing the show. Right. Uh, in a 24 hour period, Nick Saban retired, Bill Belichick retired, and Pete Carroll, I don't know, you're the Seattle sports guy. Was Pete Carroll fired? Pete Carroll was asked to not return. Uh, Pete Carroll was not fired. Fired? He wanted to coach this next year. He liked the team. He quote-unquote fought for the job, and they said no. So however you want to package that up, uh, his services were not retained. Uh, maybe that's the best way to say it. But okay, fired, it sounds it, fired. I mean, but well, he come on. First, it's Pete Carroll. I mean, he's he's Mister Positive. You, you got to come up with some modern day, uh, lay it on him gently kind of. You know, uh, we're, Pete, thank you for your fourteen years. You made it to the playoffs ten of fourteen years. Thanks to the Super Bowl, but they didn't say that. So you mentioned, you know, 14 years in Seattle, their playoffs, 10 of the 14 years. I wanted to go over some quick numbers from those three guys. Mm-hmm. 904 wins, 18 championships, Super Bowls and national championships. Uh, Pete Carroll famously is the only guy I think ever to win a Super Bowl and a, col- a college national championship. And 148 years of head coaching experience in college of the pros for those three guys. I, I could go on and on and on about individual records, uh, you know, Saban's dominance, Belichick's dominance, Carroll's ability to be great across both sports, which is something neither guy could do. You put all those three guys together, and it really made me think, um, you know, outside of just football, when have we ever seen in in one day that much greatness and history uh leave a sport or an industry or anything all at once wow that, that's a great question uh it is interesting i mean obviously if you're doing the math on uh belichick and pete carroll i mean there's i mean what is uh is pete 70 and uh belichick 71 i mean at some point i mean that's that's almost the male life expectancy Pete Carroll, obviously, uh, has got some kind of cryogenics thing going. He's going to live longer than all of us. Uh, But, I mean, obviously, those guys, you had to believe the time was was running out. Pete Carroll made the playoffs once in the last three years. Uh, So if he's going 10 of the last 14, but uh, one in the last three. And and that that, uh, playoff run that they went on last year, they needed Detroit to go up to Green Bay and win that game for Seattle to back into the playoffs. Uh, and then they almost did it again this year, except this time Chicago didn't beat Green Bay. So you could say that it's more like a, a almost a three-year drought uh, where the team controlled their own destiny uh, making the playoffs. And obviously, ever since uh, Tom Brady left, the uh, Patriots were never able to recover. So we knew the clock was ticking, and the timeline just kind of timed out. Nick Saban, 
you know, what else does the guy have to do? Six championships, one at LSU, so seven total championships. Uh, I mean, that's all great. I, I would have thought there would have been more fanfare or discussion about it. All of a sudden, it was just like, oh, he's just kind of done. And, you know, he, he probably could have done another 10 years. I don't think so, though. You know, what, what Saban said when he interviewed was that, uh, well, when he interviewed about retiring, is that his age started to be, become an issue. And that's something that never really had happened between recruits and hiring coaches and other people on the staff. He said that people were starting to ask him for assurances. Will you be there for, you know, are you going to be here for four years, five years, 10 years? You know, players want assurances. Uh, coaching staff wants assurances. You know, anybody in that that sphere, you know, of he's the CEO of that organization, anyone in that organization, if if Saban is hiring you because you're great, but you could go to three or four other places, is Saban going to be there? Is 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 the goat who brings you on going to going to be there to, you know, sing your praises and and keep you safe if something happens, right? And, you know, Nick Saban said that he got to the point where he didn't feel comfortable giving those assurances anymore. And, you know, whether we think he could go another 10 years, maybe he could. Um, but if he wouldn't be able to go those 10 years at that same level of commitment, I don't, he doesn't strike me as the, the kind of guy who, uh, is going to do it in any other way than 100% the way he wants to do it. And without being able to commit, like you, you just can't do that. Um, and I think, uh, I think you run into the same thing with Belichick. I think Bill Belichick coaches in the NFL again. He probably, honestly, I don't think Belichick would even take a year off. He'll coach somewhere next season. And I think he wants to do that, but he started to feel like he wasn't going to get those same assurances from the organization. So, you know, whether it's the coach or the organization at some point, the promise can no longer be made honestly. And, and that's when it's time to go. Yeah, I think we got two different topics going here, really. I mean, obviously, there's the the coincidence of these three unbelievable Hall of Fame coaches, greatest all time. There'll be statues. I mean, all all of that. But but there's a couple of of side topics that are contributing to all of this. I mean, obviously, their age. I mean, again, Belichick and Carroll. I mean, these guys are seventy years old, and uh, you know, and I'm not going to call them too old. I mean, they've been very very successful coaches. But just, I mean, it's just kind of time. Uh, the other side of that is, you know, how much of the game has changed to the point where, you know, maybe these guys are old school. I don't like what's going on with college football. Let, let's just look at the Saban side of this conversation first. Uh, I don't like what's going on with college football. The transfer portal, they may as well have a coaching portal at this point. I mean, if if you look at, you know, go ahead. They've always had a coaching portal. Coaches always were allowed to move around. It was the players who never could. No, 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 no. I, I, I get the rule of that, but I, I, I'm saying it facetiously here that just everyone's in a portal. If you're not in a portal, you're about to be. You and I are going to be in podcast portals before too long. I mean, there's, there's no loyalty. There's no Nobody time. Nobody pick me up. Right. And, and I don't know how these comments are going to age well, because obviously there's a lot of fluid situations here at the time that we're recording this. But I, just here in Washington, and I'll, and I'll tie it into the big picture and take it all the way back to Saban. Here, here at Washington, you had Kalen DeBoer take over a program. Here's a guy that was in South Dakota 
as some is there football in South Dakota? I I don't even know. And and then uh, he goes to Indiana, and here's this this quarterback Michael Penix who was injured all the time. This guy was left for football dead, and all of a sudden DeBoer says, "Hey, I I got a job going to Washington." Come with me. He takes Penix, and five minutes later, he's got an unbelievable winning percentage. This was just last year. Just last year. Penix was a candidate for Heisman Trophy. DeBoer won, uh, what do you go, like, uh, he lost two games. And then this year, it's pretty well documented, he took the Huskies in his second year as the coach, totally turning around the entire Husky franchise, the whole thing. And and he, he he goes fourteen and zero goes into the national championship loses to Michigan. Michael Penix uh, is crying and, and, and it's an emotional story, but a great story. And we're all over here in Washington going, wow, this is going to be a great program moving. Wait, what? Nick Saban retired? What? Kalen DeBoer's the new coach? He he just landed in Tuscaloosa. And did he even <laughs> come back to Seattle? I mean, it, it, did he tell the? He didn't tell the players. He's gone. And there are players, I mean, we're over here crying and thanking him, watching him cry. We're like, oh, my God, this is so emotional. What a great story. And now we're crying going, wait a minute, what? You bastard. I can't believe you went to Alabama. And then you're going, but it's Alabama. And the opportunity was there. And he's a good coach. And you're going, okay, I, we get this. And so that we're mad at him for doing that. So what do we do at Washington? We go down and we get Jed Fish from Arizona, who just got there. We steal him. His running back's already in the portal to come up here. He's depleted that program. He's coming here, and we're okay with that. What a great hire it is. Feeling bad for Arizona. Jim Harbaugh, and I'm almost done. Jim Harbaugh, and and again, I don't know Thanks if this is going to – Right? He, Jim Harbaugh, and, and I, this may not age well, depending on what he does. I think he's going to end up the Chargers coach, but – Anyway, here's a guy who he comes back. He's a Michigan guy. He wins the national championship, runs the table. Who cares if he only showed up to uh, uh, nine of the games and, and, and the other six, whatever the hell that was. He's a criminal and a cheater and a rat <laughs> bastard. But somehow he's the feel-good guy, and we feel bad about this. I'm still pissed about that. But now he's the hottest coaching guy out there, and he's probably going to up and leave Michigan after winning the championship, and he's going to go wherever for a bazillion dollars, and the hell with Michigan. That's that's where we're at right now, and I'm but angry. See, I, I where I want to get though is the I think the sentiment, and correct me if I'm wrong, the sentiment about you know people moving around in college football, and there's also a lot of backlash to players entering the portal. This coaching carousel, it may seem really pronounced for a couple of reasons. In 2024, I think one of the reasons is recency bias. Um, you know, it's this one. And I think the other reason is you're, it isn't sort of the normal coaching moves. Um, it's the goat who retired. So I think there's a lot of, you know, especially there's a lot of microscope on this. You, you weren't going to get somebody, uh, who, who is not a seasoned vet with huge potential to take over for Saban uh, because he's the he's that goaded level. So there's a lot of spotlight on this particular batch of coaches moving around. But I'll say it happens all the time. And before the transfer portal and before those rules kind of opened up, it really I think it was unfair to the players. I, I think in a lot of cases, the NCAA and especially college football, considering the amount of money that football brings in, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know all about 
what's fair not for college gymnasts or softball players because I don't. But I know the football brings in a ton of money, and I think that they have for a long time treated the labor in that sport unfairly. So now being able to see the players move around, reacting to the coaches move around, I think that levels the playing field. Um, But I also think what it does is kind of brings into focus for everybody that the playing field might be more level now, but it is also still absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I, at the end of the day, it's really about the players, but unfortunately it really isn't. It's about the big money coaches and the big money schools and the big money in general. And they've trickled down a few dollars to humor everybody that the the players are getting their part of the action. But, you know, it's just, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, yes, as as a random fan, sure, great for uh, the parody. Uh, it was kind of interesting to see how the uh, college football season shook out this year. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer anymore. I just don't I like. Do. I mean, I, you, you. It used to be that you want to be the next Bo Schembechler at Michigan. You want to be the next it guy that's going to be the famous coach for years and years, and they name the stadium after you later. But that's not the case. I, and and I, I notice this as we're looking for a, a Seattle Seahawks coach out here on the West Coast now. The thing that, that's that's crazy to me, hey, you've got a team in the playoffs and you haven't been there for a while and you're the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. Well, we're gunning for you because you're the next guy that because of this one season and you're the hottest guy, we're going to go get you the coach. And they don't really know how good that coach is going to be. So I think it's taking away from the quality of coaching. That's my that's my eyeball of the situation. I could be wrong, and I'd I'd love to talk to some you know legit coaches about this and see their take on that. But I, we're not getting the tried and true coaches. You're getting the Kalen DeBoers, but, but I guess he's a good coach based on what he did in this very short amount of time. But he hasn't been tried and true. We're going to find out at Bama real fast uh, how good Kalen DeBoer is. I mean, he's certainly the it guy now. He took a program and flipped it around in a very short amount of time. All the gods, uh, football gods, lined up for him. But I guess, I guess we'll see how good he is. But it, it's just like we just jumped at the hottest name and and let's see how it goes. It's all it's, it's the best brand wins. It's who's hot right now as opposed to who's got the legit resume. That's how I see it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would say that I that you're not all the way wrong there. Um, not all the way. <laughs> well, no, I mean, because coaching, I think there's always a little bit of trying to go find the hot guy. Uh, it, it's just that the greats uh, stick around for a really long time and there might not really be a lot of greats. But like if you think about, you know, Urban Meyer was like how I'm trying to I'm trying to look real quick like how long Urban Meyer spent at at BYU like he was the head coach at Bowling Green I think in 2001 right um let me look this up real quick he was in Utah by 2003 so it's not like he was a tried and true you know, Mac coach, he went to Utah and he turned Utah around. And by 2007, he was in Florida. Right. Yeah, But, but that's the thing. He turned Utah around and and he, and, and he did that. And then he went to Florida and he answered it. And then that qualified him to take over the Ohio State University. That that uh, trajectory makes sense to me. But it's the the trajectory makes sense but the it it isn't like the timeline is incredibly compressed now right two years of bowling green 
three years at BYU, three years at Florida, and then he's at Ohio State, and he sticks around at Ohio State for a pretty significant amount of time because he's dominating there. And I, I don't think that there's a question. I have a lot of issue with maybe Urban Meyer, the guy, and Urban Meyer, the moral code, but I don't think there's any doubt that Urban Meyer is one of the greats in college football coaching, and he went from quick turnaround, quick turnaround, quick turnaround, sustained dominance. That's what you're looking at with Kalen DeBauer. You're DeBauer, DeBauer, whatever. You're you're just, his sustained dominance wasn't going to happen at Washington. Not for it, any fault of Washington. Been. It's just I, not no, where. I, but but he had a chance to go to Alabama, just like yeah. Urban Meyer had a chance to go to I, Ohio I State. I get it. I, I get it, and, and that's fine. I, I I'm never going to fault someone who's going. to – I mean, we can make someone else's career moves all we want, but at the end of the day, a guy's got to do what he's got to do. He's got a chance to go take over that. I think in the world of radio, if I had a chance to take over the biggest show and do the things, sure, I would jump at that too. I I, I understand that move. But what I'm saying for the sake of the game, I mean, look how much uh, that really hurt the Washington program. And and I'm not looking at it as a Washington fan. I'm saying, look at these players that have been left for football dead. Now they got to figure out what they're going to do. And it's hurting the game. It's hurting these guys' careers. So they, they chose – look at all the guys here. that We know some players on the Washington team that are up here from uh, the Bellingham area in Ferndale. And, you know, we've been talking to these players a lot on our radio show. And they were excited about Caleb DeBoer, and they chose a school that's 100 miles south of where they live. And now they're like, where am I going to transfer to? What am I going to do? What if the new coach doesn't like me? What? And, and this new opportunistic coach who's probably going to – you know, I mean, this coach that just took over, uh, Washington, um, this coach fish, Jed fish, uh, 25 years of coaching, 14 different places, a lot of one and dones. And, and now here he is, maybe he's the next guy that's going to stick around for a while and legitimately build up the program. But all indicators are, Hey, it's a different world now. You know, we don't know that you're, you're having a two year run and out. This reminds me of like watching basketball players. They play high school ball. They play a year at Kentucky and they're, they're in the draft. It's crazy. But see, um, what you just laid out with how the players are kind of stuck now and they don't know what to do, you, you're you kind of over and over making the case for the transfer portal in the NCAA. Those players should be able to move w- without facing any sort of penalty for it if they yes. had banked their whole career and they're recruiting on DeBauer and now he's gone. Um you know, and I'm and the second you're calling thing, him DeBauer because he it, it's it's DeBoer, it, but uh, he's DeBoer? Devoured, he's devoured the team. I just I, I'm, I'm hearing that differently. Yeah, it's Caleb DeBoer. No, I, I'm oh, with my you. bad. I, I'm with you on the transfer portal thing. Yes, I'm making the case for that. I mean, sure. I'm just saying it's really sad that we can't just have someone choose their school, be loyal to their school, build up a school's program, and then hopefully go on to the pros if that's what they want. The end. Now it's like, God, a guy can end up here, go win a championship for Clemson, end up at, oh, there's two good quarterbacks, so they're going to move him over to here, and 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 the coach may not even be there. I just don't like the, it's It's so fluid. It's hard to build up tradition with these schools. And and it's just it's going backwards. It's it's a it's it's a hollow process. I disagree. Um, and and it isn't. I promise this time it's not just because I want to be argumentative. Because usually I do just kind of want to pick at you. Um, <laughs> but I but I, I really think you know if you look at what the NCAA 
in football has become and the amount of money that it brings in and sort of the the fan bases and the traditions and uh just like how crazy and virulent everyone is about being a fan and wanting their team to compete like i'm an ohio state fan i'm 42 so i mean you figure i probably started watching ohio state and paying attention in the early to mid 90s right as Mm -hmm. as one does um i've lived through john cooper who was a tried and true in Ohio at Ohio State and he was with the school for a long time and he was an important part of the tradition and uh he could not win the big one he just couldn't do it and it it's easy to look at a guy like Jim Harbaugh now who was dominated by the Buckeyes and and honestly by any big giant national games right dominated by the big teams and then was able to turn around at the end well it you know it turns out he was able to turn it around with a bunch of cheating uh but john cooper wasn't able to do that as a as a fan as a university president as an athletic director as a representative of the big 10 as uh the ncaa commissioner as ESPN or CBS or, you know, whoever is bidding on the TV deals for these conferences, you're sitting in those shoes. John Cooper was tried and true and he was Ohio State tradition and he was all those things you're talking about, but he was he was bad for the bottom line. And maybe he wasn't bad for the bottom line back in the 90s, um, you know, because the bottom line and the way all that worked, I think, was significantly different than it is now. But mm-hmm. that is bad for the bottom line now. You, Jimbo Fisher leaves Texas A&M after that huge contract and all that promise. And it has nothing to do with wanting to stay consistent at a school. It has nothing to do with trying to keep the players happy or the staffs happy. It's all about can you compete with the greats if you're going to be a part of the future super conference of collegiate football when eventually the top 40 to 60 college football teams break away from the ncaa and they have their own big college football super conference if you're going to be one of them can you compete can you be a top 10 or 12 team out of that 60 and if you can't you gotta go and if you can, if you can at Washington, then, you know, if if you can with the 10th best team and no shade to Washington, I'm just I get it. making rankings in my head real quick. Sure. If you can with the 10th best team, then you better be damn sure when the top team has an opening, they're going to come grab you. And and that's just, I, I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Um, it It's just. It's just very different for us specifically, right? Like old guys like us, even though you're significantly older than me. Right, um, right, right. It's it's different for us to watch (laughs) that to start to happen because we have all that history back when college football wasn't a big deal. Like it was a TV sport, but it wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? Like it was, there were no commercials. Coaches weren't getting uh, advertisements. There weren't 
NIL deals. Like it's different for us to see that transformation. But, you know, I think in in the next decade when sort of the transformation is done and I think there's going to be a relatively stable period of time where the NCAA football is this thing for a while, it, it's all going to be pretty beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I hope you're right. I, and again, I, I, I'm taking a snapshot of the moment. And all I'm saying is, when you look at what just happened to the University of Washington, there was unbelievable ex- excitement over a very short amount of time. A guy came in and, and all of a sudden, boom, right out of the box, he's turned this thing around. Michael Penix came out of nowhere. I mean, what an incredible story this was. You heard of this George Clooney movie, Boys in the Boat. Uh, I was convinced that uh, there's going to be a follow-up, uh, Boys in the Bowl. Uh, it just felt like this is going to be a thing. And, you know, he was uh, – we, we had a Heisman candidate all year long. Uh, it, the, the, the team was winning all these close games, so many one-score games. They ran the table. They beat Oregon, their arch nemesis, twice. This would be like Ohio State beating Michigan twice and running the table, going undefeated beating the Penn States of the world and maybe a couple other top 15 teams and then going to the national championship undefeated out of nowhere. Washington football was back. Greatest season they've ever had. Most wins, first time undefeated. And they're, they're playing for a national title, the Natty. I mean, wow. And, and literally right after the game ended, it was like a dream. It didn't even happen. I mean, you woke up the next day going, wait, and we're watching footage of, of a plane landing in Tuscaloosa going, wait, what? There was just so much excitement, and they've depleted it. And then Washington answers with what appears to be, at least for now, a good hire. But that guy mm-hmm. just did the same thing to Arizona, and it just feels like it's just they're nuking these programs after being there for five minutes. And it's just, I'm just saying I think it's sad, and it's not – I've just talked to some actual players on that Husky team, and I'm like, dude, I, I just feel bad for you because, I mean, I'm just an idiot fan, whatever. You know, our teams are going to do whatever. But yeah, but true. when you think – but you, but but you think about the collective fan base and the Husky Nation, and you think about how how much that just hurt a region. Um, it just kind of sucks, and that's the state of it today. And it it bums me out. I, I don't have. I don't think anyone's ever had the right answer for college football. Let's have a four team playoff. Oh, that's not enough. Let's switch to a twelve team playoff. So next year we can argue about thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. It just it doesn't matter. It's just always going to be this. And it's 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 hard. Football is hard. College football is harder. I have a question, and I, and I know you've got actual. We're running up against time here, so this won't be long. And I know you've got actual, um, you know, media relationships and and sourcing and stuff with the the work that you do for your day job. So off the off the record, or I guess on the record because it's on the podcast, but no names, no anything. And the the players who you've talked to that are, uh you know, sore about uh, DeBoer, DeBauer. Kalen DeBoer. Did it again. DeBoer, DeBoer, DeBoer. DeBoer. Like a wild pig. I got it. DeBoer's DeBoer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But about about him leaving, are they planning on transferring? Are they looking at it? That's the question. That's what they're wondering. They, they, They don't know. Because it's not really, I mean, did they want to stay at Washington? Did they buy in? Yes. And literally, they're coming off of a high of, I mean, this is, they, we just played the national championship. And within 48 hours, this went down. And now, now okay, so like, I have okay. another question. 
Okay. I have another question though. Hold that thought there. Are they, they're wondering whether or not they should transfer and they're going through those emotions and maybe some of them have all, you know, at this point, um, is there anything in their mind that is going to either keep them there or or have them leave? You know, this switch to the Big Ten in 2024, I don't know if you've seen the schedule, but Washington's schedule, you know, not everybody in the Big Ten is great. But next year, uh, in the regular season, they play uh, Michigan out of the Big Ten, Penn State out of the Big Ten, and they still play, you know, they they only play the good teams from the Pac-12, right? So they play USC, UCLA, Oregon next year. Uh, But, you know, adding Michigan, adding Penn State into that schedule, they play Iowa. I mean, Iowa can't score anything, but they sure as hell have a solid defense. I mean, is there anything uh, that they've talked about, you know, moving to the Big Ten and what that's going to look like? Well, that's the thing. Uh, that that's why I wanted Pete Carroll to take over the the Huskies. And before you say it's a crazy idea, he was at crazy USC. Idea. He won a championship at USC, and mm-hmm. the guy acts like he's forty five years old. And with I believe if Harbaugh leaves Michigan, and again it may have already happened to someone listening to this podcast, who knows? Uh, but if Harbaugh leaves there, uh, I think Day is in a little bit of question there at Ohio State. Hasn't been able to beat Michigan, uh, scored three points in his bowl game against Missouri. Uh, and it just seems like, I mean, again, and, and he's a good coach and all that, but just hear me out on this. Wouldn't it have been interesting to see Pete Carroll recruit into that situation while it seemed like a bit of a down year oh, in recruiting? Oh, God. No, look, you don't have to. I. I'm sad that I don't get to, you know, backhandedly congratulate Andy on on the Wolverines winning with all of the Harbaugh cheating and all of that. But whatever you want to say about Harbaugh and cheating, I think Harbaugh has set up a a really good program there. Um, You know, whether or not they would have won the national championship, whether or not they would have been on that huge run and dominated, you know, the Buckeyes in in the game and all their big rivals. I I don't know. But I think even without that, Harbaugh had set up a really good program there. Well, Um, and again, I want to congratulate Harbaugh on his 9-0 season. I do. (laughs) I think he had a really good 9-0 season this year. Um, But I think that if you want to, talk about ryan day and say that oh you know maybe he's not great or oh he's got a checkered record like i think no it's, no 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 it's, no, no, it's no. That's fair to say it's fair to say that um he's a pretty big fraud i think you know look at what cj stroud's doing in the nfl marvin harrison jr look at the the running backs that we've had, the wide receivers that were first round picks that are playing in the NFL that are great, the the defenses that they've had, um, you know, that Ryan Day cannot get into the playoffs, win playoff games, win national championships with that group of talent. Eventually, he's going to run himself out of uh, recruiting potential just by never winning. He's bringing in top notch guys and developing them into top-notch nfl players mm-hmm. so like that counts for something that no, staff no, I, doing I, that counts no, for something no, but no, not I, winning national championships is 
No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I, I, I think Ryan Day is great. I, obviously, Ohio State, they're just always rebounding. Well, I, what I'm saying from a standpoint, I, I don't know what you were disagreeing with me there. I, you kind of had a weird reaction on that because what I was saying. I wasn't. I, well, said, I said you should say that Ryan Day is a fraud. Oh, well, with the way I, I thought you were disagreeing with me initially there when I talked about Pete Carroll because I thought, and again, I mean, I get that it's kind of a weird thing to say, but at the same time, why not Pete Carroll? Because Ryan Day could be having a down recruiting time. Uh, obviously, the program took a bit of a jolt there with that bowl game, and they've lost uh, three in a row, maybe four in a row to Michigan, and they lost to Michigan this year. And so there's an opening for a team like Washington to enter the Big Ten and stand a chance and maybe get an edge with a Pete Carroll-type figure to maybe help with that recruiting situation with Harbaugh potentially not even being there and your top schools have it, Ohio State coming off of an off year. Pete Carroll would have been an interesting choice there, as wacky as that sounds. No, I, I think I think Pete Carroll in Washington would have been fantastic. I think that... I get the feeling that Pete Carroll is probably done coaching at, you know, top level football for, you know, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Um, and I, and I think that football will have lost a valuable voice and a valuable ally to players with Pete Carroll being gone. I, I really do. I think Pete Carroll's fantastic. I would take him today at Ohio State over Ryan Day without a doubt but you do also get to the point where I I think you go back to the very beginning of the show when we were talking about Saban you know Pete Carroll started coaching in 1973 and he's been a head coach back and forth since 97 it is 2024 that's 50 years of coaching like at some point no matter how much I love and respect what Pete Carroll's done on a football field at every level. Um, I think you just get to the point where you can't promise people you're going to be there for four or five years. Yeah, and, and I don't think that would have been the case. When you, well, when you, but when you, you might think, you might feel like it, but you might not physically be able to do it. And I, and I think that's, I, I think, you know, life gets interrupted at that age quite regularly and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but I, I think you get to the point where that could potentially start to hamper, you know, promising people that you're going to be around. Final thought on that, and then we can wrap it up. Uh, the sidebar to my theory on that, and a lot of people don't know this. So Jed Fish was at Arizona. He's the guy that turned the Wildcats around. The Wildcats finished number 11 when it was all said and done. The Wildcats lost to Washington one score game. Um, so now Jed Fish takes over at Washington. Do you know who his OC is going to be and who it was at Arizona? Brandon Carroll, son of Pete Carroll. So Pete Carroll comes in as the head coach, and then he can promise his four years of the system. They build in that Brandon Carroll is going to take over as the head coach in two years, and there you go. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think we should leave it there. I think that's a good idea. Hey, I wasn't able to get the live stream working today, which is kind of a bummer, and I don't know why. But uh, we will be up 
uh, we will be up on YouTube uh, soon. Probably we're recording this on Wednesday night. So I'm going to venture to say Thursday sometime in the afternoon. And guys, this one's going to be real content. Anyway, you could find us at Three Guys in Three Cities on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's at Three Guys, Three Cities, the number three. Don't spell it out. Three Guys, Three Cities. That's all I have to say, Alan. Um, that's it, man. I'm I'm done. Absolutely. Our best to uh, Andy and uh, his family, and hopefully they can get all that stuff behind him. Uh, he's Josh Flagner in Cleveland. I'm Alan Fee in the Pacific Northwest in the hometown of Bellingham, Washington. Be at peace, and we will talk to you again next time right here with Three Guys in Three Cities.